usual graduation exercise now. It's titled, The Class of 99. A set of numbers and a pair of eyes. We'll move behind them now to give you an idea why we call the place you're in, the Night Gallery. Hello there and welcome to episode 24 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about Class of 99. It's the third story from season 2, episode 2. And it is a Rod Serling script. And again, it's directed by uh, Jen O'Swark. Um, we set in... Um, it's in a future. <laughs> uh, well, their future, but not ours. 1999, graduation day. And there is a, a gang of students who are who only have to pass their oral examination to qualify. They've been doing well so far, we're told by the professor, who is played by uh, Vincent Price, and um, no doubt they'll be successful again. They're all asked a, uh, a series of questions in this rather quick-fire and quite tense way. You have to stand up and answer. And he asks people pretty much at random questions on science. and It's, it's a variety of different stuff. Um... It's only when we reach uh, a man called uh, Johnson, who's played by Brandon DeWild, that the wheels come off. He's asked questions by by Price, but he struggles to answer them. And we can hear this. Um, well, he then turns to him in a in a way, uh, and it seems to be quite unfair the way he's treated. A fourth name, Mr. Johnson. See, see, a shining body of water or the Spanish affirmative. Can you proceed, Mr. Johnson? It's a name with two initials. That will be all, Mr. Johnson. I said that will be all, Mr. Johnson. Part of my answer was correct. Sorry, what is your point? I said part of my answer was correct. I gave you three names. And I asked for four. I gave you three out of four. Yes, indeed you did, Mr. Johnson. And in giving me three out of four, you proved yourself incompetent. You are proving now by your behavior that you are even less responsive to authority than you are to the scholastic criteria established for graduation. Now, will you sit down, Mr. Johnson, or shall I... No, no. Please, sir. I'll do as I'm told, sir. As you can hear there, it seems to be quite a tough regime at this university. Um, But things then get take a far more serious and dark turn when they reach questions about the behavioural sciences. First off, we have... um, Well, effectively, a manufactured fight between a white man and a black man over race, which leads to them slapping each other in the face and declaring that this gives them satisfaction. Then there's a, another argument is created by two women, um, one created out of class, money and jealousy, um, which again leads to violence when a, a necklace is ripped and thrown on the floor and then a woman is spat in the face and a treated with contempt things really get quite dark though when we reach 
a man called Elkins, who is asked, who's his enemy in the room? He looks round and finally spots a man called Chang, who's in the corner, who's an Asian student. He sees him as an enemy and things take a very swift and very dramatic turn for the worse. William Chang. Stand up, Mr. Chang. How would you view a possible relationship here, Mr. Elkins? No relationship possible. A question only of survival. Mr. Chang or you? One or the other. And how would you translate that into a form of action? Killer. A little louder, if you please, Mr. Elkins. I'm not sure I heard you. I said I would have to kill him. Operandi, Mr. Elkins. Proceed, if you will. At this stage, things heat up even more. Um, Elkins, well, Elkins has a gun in his hand, which is being given, and takes a shot, but blatantly misses on purpose, and is chastised for the, by the professor for what he's done. Why did he not shoot the man who is obviously his enemy, his perceived man that he hates? He, well, Elkins completely freaks out and starts becoming mutinous in his tone, saying that he's not sure that Chang is the enemy. He thinks the enemy might be, and then everything's turned off. The, uh, the, press, the professor panics and buttons are pressed, and all our students freeze. They've been acting quite uh, robotically, like they've been drilled in to uh, society anyway, much like soldiers rather than students. But um, at this stage, they are finally turned off physically. And everybody freezes as if being frozen. Uh, the professor turns to Johnson and turns him back on again. Points out that he can reprieve himself if he gets this situation right. He can still pass. Who is his enemy now? He says, Donald Johnson says that he believes that um, it is now the mutinous Elkins who is his enemy, who's fighting against the norm and knows what he should do. He shoots him point blank in the face. And as everyone is turned back on and starts again, the camera pans down and it is revealed that our man He's not a student at all, but apparently a robot. It's then all explained. This is a, a dystopian world, and not only that, but one where man has far less to show and far less to hide than he once did. Fellow students of the graduating class of 1999, it is my pleasant duty as representative of the class to make these few remarks during this commencement ceremony. We need not be reminded of recent history and why we are here. It's sufficient to recollect that major wars, pestilence, and pollution have reversed the overpopulation trend and left the world depleted and diminished. 
It is for this reason that we have been created, to repopulate society. We have been created by man in his image. All that we know, our attitudes, our values, are part of the integral data that's been fed into us. And we shall use them as a point of beginning. We must be just, but ruthless in terms of survival. We must recognize that many of the ancient virtues are simply weaknesses. For example, to tolerate an inferior is an act of misplaced compassion and, as such, interferes with our function as members of the society. We shall repay our debt to man by emulating him. We shall act as men, react as men. We shall be men. So they shall be men, these, mo these robots which was created to repopulate the earth. It is, um, well, an original story and a great one. Uh, what can I say about this? It's one of those times when it all comes together so perfectly for me for Night Gallery. You have a really strong script from Salem, something where he has something to say, has very little interest in who he upsets while he said how he says it. You've got Jack Laird, who's willing to take a chance on quite a, a difficult script and also t take a chance on a director who's new and quite young and looking for a break. And then you've got the, that that willingness to experiment has been rewarded in Jen Oswalk, uh, a director who's able to take a very static and, uh, you know, very stagey almost script. I mean, it's designed to be cheap. Uh, to be done cheap for television. Uh, one location, I mean, the stage is, is merely white steps, clean and futuristic, but very basic, but so obviously a lecture theatre. Um, it it, what's what gives this uh, play, uh, this play, this teleplay, this story, is a sense of uh, no escape. There's claustrophobia, but not because you feel hemmed in because it's so, uh, the cameras are so static, but because what's being played out is horrible. I mean, you initially think, what the hell's going on? Why are these people acting so terribly? Why, why, what's created this, this society that's so robustly racist? And it's, it's, it's not, you know, but the camera moves with, with urgency around the action, which gives it even more impetus, an even darker and bleaker tone to it. I mean, it is it is it is fantastic. the The story carries um, some unusual themes. It uh, goes basically among the ideas of racial hate, which was obviously still quite a hot tomato and a hot potato in uh, 1971. Of violence, of teaching bigotry and wrong lessons to our children, of uh, elements of conflict, and also how. Our own sins are can so easily become the sins of our children. It is, um, you know, it, 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 it's brave work done like all classic sci-fi, done in a way that is um, done fantastically, but also pivotally about people and how they are. Price, Vincent Price, was on fantastic form for this. He's cold, but authoritative. He um, he shows the world. He shows well his world, a small world where he's teaching these students a darkness and bleakness, but does it in a in a 
in a clinical way that only an authority figure can do. He was loved on set, unsurprisingly, especially because um, Vincent Price has a uh, quite a reputation of being a great man and, and well loved amongst his uh, am amongst those who worked with him. Swark is really looking for a, uh, a a way into the industry uh, and you know a big step up, and uh, this show really provided it for him. Uh, Swark said. Um, when Sailing saw the show, he thought it was terrific. The rushes were at lunch and I couldn't make it. When they came back, I was told that Rod Sailing kept asking, who is this guy? Boy, this is terrific. That's when I got to meet him. From then on, I sort of had open access to all his scripts. He asked Jack Laird if I could do this his stuff regularly. And then what it meant was that he did some fantastic work. I mean, Swark was, is, a, is a, a linchpin throughout Night Gallery. He's a guarantee that something, at the very least, interesting is going to happen. Um, even when the script isn't good, it's well handled. Um, and of course, I think most importantly, he did The Caterpillar. Um, just a bit of housekeeping as always at the end of the show. Um, but effectively what we're going to do next week is have a kind of diversion. Um, those who've got the DVD, and if, you ever, and if you're watching these episodes on Hulu, will probably be expecting Satisfaction Guaranteed to come next. I'm not going to do that initially. I'll do it ne the week after next, only because I want to cover Witch's Feast first. Um, Witch's Feast was the story that was originally shown in that slot the first time around this show was this program was aired back in September 22nd 1971 so I think it's fair to to do this one first and then go to what you would expect which truth is the better story with satisfaction guaranteed but we'll go into that next week um, if you want to get hold of us as always you can do uh, on uh, Twitter I'm at, at orange, orange underscore monkey if you want to uh, leave a message and just have a quick chat with me and say hello, that's the best way to get hold of me. Um, if you want to put some bigger feedback down or give your feelings on stuff, you can do it at dimensionxradio.com, which uh, features, um, well, it's got all the, it's basically got all the episodes with us. Uh, with Night Gallery, we've got Tom's uh, Twilight Zone podcast, which is a fantastic show. Also, uh, episodes of Dimension X. X minus one when it comes up, uh, and also um, suspense. There's also links to Tom's uh, forum, which he uh, curates for Cut Labs, about the new release in the UK of the Blu-ray and DVD of season one of Twilight Zone. If you haven't picked them up, they are a fantastic set. But also, um, there's just somewhere there you can reminisce. You can talk about Night Gallery. I might pop in and say hello there if you leave a message there. Um, and just, you know, if you want to contact us, there's plenty of ways to do it. Um, so, yes, so next week is Witch's Feast, and I look forward to talking to you then. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>